I find it very embarrassing to admit it now, but I was once a member of the Michael Crawford fan club. As a young boy, I loved Some Mothers Do Have Them. And I was one of those annoying mimics who constantly did Frank Spencer impressions. Unfortunately, I grew out of it. Well, nearly. I'm a failure. <laughs> it was one of Frank's sayings. He was a walking disaster area. He was fully competent in being incompetent in everything he did. If it could go wrong, it would go wrong. And there are times when I feel a bit like poor Frank. Not Frank Waller, that is, but Frank Spencer. And I'm sure there are times when you've made mistakes too, when you felt that you're a complete and utter failure because you failed yourself or you failed others or you failed God. Just think for an example of those times when you've let someone you love down. Perhaps when you've distanced yourself from them in a conversation, whether it was for fear of speaking up for them or because you wanted to go with the flow of the conversation and you haven't stuck up for them. And you've been upset afterwards because you went with the company you were in rather than with them. How do you feel when you've let someone down? Disloyal, a coward, a failure, wretched. These were some of the feelings that uh, Peter would have experienced. And you don't need to be reminded <laughs> that you've done something wrong. Not if you were really upset about it. It's constantly there. Welcome to Peter's world. He denied Jesus on the night that our Lord was betrayed. His heart was broken. He knew exactly what he'd done. Matthew and Luke says that he wept bitterly after his denials. He was close to Jesus. How could he do that? He was in the inner circle. Jesus had named him Peter, the rock. He was to build his church upon this man. But now it was all in ruins. Why? Because Peter, who I identify with, was a failure. He felt a failure. And I wonder whether that's partly why, even though Jesus had risen, that they went back fishing. Though it turns out that Peter was even a failure at fishing <laughs> because he needed help from the risen Jesus. But it was the risen Jesus who changed everything. And I love that sketch by the skip guys. I know it's not easy to pick up the American accent, but they depict Peter in a beautiful way. He was thrilled at the catch of 153 fish, thrilled that they'd seen the risen Lord, thrilled that they'd eaten with him. Peter just couldn't stop talking about it. But he was busying himself busying himself with fishing, talking incessantly and enthusiastically in that sketch so that he perhaps didn't have to confront 
himself. That's why I love that portrayal. So that he didn't have to deal with what he'd done. Why would the risen Jesus use me? I'm a failure. I'm going back to fishing. Now as they talked, was Peter actually dreading in that conversation once they got some time together that he would bring it up? Well, even if he was, Jesus that knew Peter and knew that he would deny him three times and possibly knew that Peter was running away from himself, trying not to feel the pain of remorse and regret. Jesus knew. And so we know that Jesus doesn't note that Jesus doesn't actually berate Peter for what he's done, for his failure. He doesn't say, I knew it, Peter. I told you so. I pinned my hopes on you. How can I rely on you in the future? You cocked it up, and that's why I used a cock to crow. He doesn't use the incident to chastise him quietly. He doesn't make Peter squirm or score points, which is, let's be honest, what we tend to do if somebody fails us. We wait for the opportunity to strike back. Christ simply but firmly makes him face up to himself. So my first point is, Peter is reminded And note that Jesus chooses the seashore to have this conversation. As they'd finished breakfast, I wonder if the smell of the barbecue reminded Peter of something. Could it be that he was reminded of the night of Jesus' arrest? Let me read. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, Are you not one of his disciples? Uh, You are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it, saying, I am not. He was by the fire at that moment. Could it be that there was a tie-up in his mind already? And also the seashore was where it all started. It was where Simon the fisherman was called. And from where he left his nets and followed Jesus. So Jesus doesn't ask Peter a question. He asks Simon, son of John, a question. He uses his old name. It wasn't picked up in the sketch there. Simon, son of John, the fisherman, do you love me more than these? We're not sure what the these are. Was it Peter's old trade? Was he kind of gesturing to the things around him? Or was it perhaps the other disciples that were with him? Do you love me more than these? We remember it's probably the latter because Peter said in Matthew 26, 33, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. So Simon is asked whether he loves Jesus three times. And gently, he has to confront his old self. But in the context of love, 
and not condemnation. We respect and we admire the early disciples. But remember, those apostles were not perfect. They made mistakes like everybody else. But they learned to offer everything to the Lord, their successes and their failures. When you've failed someone and you've done something wrong, don't look busy thinking the Lord won't see. He knows already, and so do you, really. And Jesus just wants us to be reminded of those things and to be honest with ourselves, to be big enough to admit we've done wrong and to confront our mistakes. So the first thing is Peter is reminded, but then he's restored, and it's beautiful. Our Lord wants Peter to come back to him. He wants him to be able to reaffirm his love and his commitment. Jesus is full of grace. He not only forgives Peter, he gives him a chance to express his love three times. It's as though each answer cancels out each one of his denials. Peter is given that chance to wipe out the memory of his mistakes. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's why he died for us on the cross and he rose again. And here we see it in action. In those moments, Jesus is being restored. Peter is being restored. Simon Peter is his name now. As the skit guys expressed it so well, what Jesus did on the cross was to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. So Peter comes to himself. He expresses his love. He realizes he, Simon, is still loved, and he realizes that he is forgiven. He realizes that his relationship is restored, and he can be the Peter that he's being called to be. So be reminded today that you can be fully restored. All it does is takes love and a change of heart, obedience and commitment with the help of the Holy Spirit. And be reminded too that we should learn from Jesus about how he approaches people who mess up. We need to be forgiving and restoring. We need to be in that restoration business with other people's lives. We need not to berate people, but to help them to face up to themselves and to lead them on into what they can be. We should be a people who understand second chances. And that's why wherever there are prisons, Christians should have a ministry. We are a people who believe in second chances. So Peter is reminded he's restored, and the last thing, Peter is recommissioned. Rather than lose faith in Peter, Jesus makes it clear that he still believes in him. He doesn't just restore him, he demonstrates him to him that he does trust him and he gives him something to do. And he doesn't say, you're forgiven, Peter. There's work for you to do, but there's no way you're being trusted now with my sheep. He actually entrusts him with the care of souls. 
he really does restore him. And he reminds him of his original commission to be the rock. He is recommissioned. And Jesus dares to trust failures. And that means he can trust you and me if we allow him to restore us and remake us. If you really love the Lord, then it can only be proved if you put the love that's been shown to you into action and show it to others. So affirmatively, Jesus responds three times to Peter as he says that he loves him. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. I trust you with this. And Peter is given that role of the chief shepherd. Jesus is about to leave them. It was so important that somebody was trusted to do this. He is to go and do what he told him before that he would do. If Jesus has called you to do something and you think you've messed up and he's never going to trust you again, there's a chance to express your love again in action. Do that thing that you know is right, that you're called to do. John was called to be an evangelist, the great witness. Peter was called to be a shepherd, a great pastor. I wonder what your calling is. I'm called to be a minister. You're probably not, but you might be. Everybody's different. We're all called to do something. What is he calling you to do? And the Lord does have something for you to do. It's not for somebody else, it's for you. And there's a task to be done, there's a mission to fulfill. It will involve sacrifice. If we follow Jesus, we must expect that there is a cost. It's not going to be easy. And you'll probably let him down again. And he will be willing to restore you if you are sincere in your heart and you come to him. There will be a cross to be carried. And Peter turned and saw the beloved disciple following them. That's John, whom Jesus loved. And Peter said, well, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, If you want to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Because Jesus has actually said, Peter is probably going to die because of his faith. And some people thought that John was going to live forever. And so he wanted to know what was going to happen to John, the beloved disciples. And, you know, what, what, what about him? But we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to others. Not to other people, it's just about you. Jesus is interested in you, not the person sitting next to you. Peter, you must follow me. And it's the same for every one of us. We're all unique, we have different vocations, they're many and varied. Our circumstances are all different. But the question is not how good you are, but how obedient you are you will be. Now our visitor hosts, they have a calling here in this place to serve in this way. 
And as we've been thinking about an intimate conversation, they probably won't be having quite such intimate conversations with the people who come here. But they can have a tremendous impact on people's lives just by talking with them. You never know the hurts of people that you speak to. You never know the searching. You never know what faith people have or no faith when they come through these doors. Every one of those conversations you have is a God-given conversation. And you are called. Is someone else being called to share in that opportunity? might not be you for that task. It may be something else. But on Vocation Sunday, we have to ask, what is he calling us to do? And don't keep saying, you're not good enough. You're a failure. He's calling you. Learn from the past. Confront your failures. Accept your denials. Don't avoid the silence by busying yourself. Take time to be quiet and let the Lord in. Because the Lord will use you. And I believe he's calling you by name. It's what grace is all about, it said in that clip. It's not about you. It's all about him. But he's concerned for you. And it's always about him. And it's about his belief in you. And it's what he can do through you. Peter is reminded, he's restored, and then he's re commissioned. And we're told that John is the disciple who testifies about all these things. He wrote them down and Jesus did so much more and it would have been impossible to record everything that he did and that book is still being written. It's being written today. Okay, not in the Bible, but it's still being written. And the wonderful thing is you and I can be part of that story. And so I want to pray with you a prayer that's a well-worn prayer. And I pray that as I pray it, the Lord may be speaking to you this morning. Let us bow our heads and hear this prayer from St. Richard of Chichester. Thanks be to you, our Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits which you have given us, for all the pains and insults which you have borne for us. Most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly, day by day. Amen.